the consequences that sexual abuse had on me. I was an 11 year old addicted to pornography. Your mind does not comprehend how you like what you hate, how you, mm. how you want what destroys you. And there's this self-loathing, this questioning of what is wrong with me? I am really the dirty one here. From Crossroads Media, this is See Here Love, the podcast with Melinda Estabrooks, season eight, episode number 12. The Bible can feel overwhelming, confusing, or hard to believe. Scripture Untangled, a new podcast by the Canadian Bible Society, brings you interviews with culture leaders, leaders in ministry, and Bible thinkers to help you be inspired to dive into the Bible and understand it. Listen for free and subscribe to Scripture Untangled on your preferred podcast app. Visit scriptureuntangled.ca for more information. Welcome back to See Here Love for our final top podcast of all time. Now, this conversation is one of the most difficult and yet compelling conversations I have ever had. But before we get started, I want to warn those watching and listening that this conversation can be triggering to those who have experienced any kind of sexual assault, sexual abuse, or domestic violence. This is the story of Rosie Rivera. She's an American TV and reality show personality, an author and businesswoman, a speaker, a co-host on top Spanish morning shows, and also a co-host on the podcast, The Power of Us, with her husband. Rosie's story is hard to listen to, but it's important that we do, because there's also so much redemption and hope as we listen. So here is my conversation with the brave and incredible Rosie Rivera. Rosie Rivera, I am so glad you are with us. Uh, I've been actually really excited to listen to you and speak with you mm -hmm. today. So this is a thrill. And welcome hey. to Canada. Welcome to Canada. Yes, I love <laughs> Canada. I love Canada. I've been there once oh. and it's gorgeous. Let's start off with you yeah. as, a, a ch as a child. Let's start with your childhood and a bit about that. So that part of awesome. Uh, I'm the sixth child of two Mexican American parents. I'm the baby. So I was just extra loved. I don't want to say spoiled, but that's what my older brothers would think. <laughs> um, you know, dad would say no one can touch Rosie and Jenny. Jenny is my older sister. A lot of people know her as Jenny Rivera. She is a huge was a huge regional Mexican star the only regional Mexican artist to sell out the Staples Center, like man or woman. Wow. Um, wow. Yeah, the only one. And um, after she passed away, another group did it, but she's the first. And um, she had been married by then. Jenny got pregnant at 15, moved in with her husband. And I knew him since I was four um, or earlier. So he was just a family member. He was like a, a brother. That's how we treat in-laws. They're, they're family. So... Um, one day him and Jenny were fighting. There was a lot of domestic violence and we were used to hearing it to that point where you heard thumps against the wall and you were just like, it's going to be mm. fine. Um, and mm. Jenny went out to go buy some spaghetti for me. I had requested meatballs in the spaghetti she was making and she treated me like her doll. She went to go get these meatballs and, uh, I was playing with her daughter. I was eight at the time and 
Cheeky's, her daughter was four, and her husband comes into the room and makes Cheeky's leave, which confused me, Mm -hmm. um, and says, hey, do you want to play? It was never, there was never any thought of why this game could go wrong, but he called it the love game, which made it even an easier yes for an eight-year-old, and um, began to touch me. So it didn't hurt, and for a child, usually something wrong comes with pain. So when there's an absence of pain and you don't, and you haven't been told that this is wrong, you, you only end up um, confused because it doesn't hurt physically, but when it's over, you feel just dirty. I felt dirty. I felt mm-hmm. like I was hurting my sister. I like, I, I knew something was wrong, but didn't understand what, and this kind of went on for about a year until fifth grade. I was in sex ed class and I saw the the human body, man and woman, and all the little mm. girls around me were giggling and being shy, right? Like, oh, like, mm-hmm. and to me, it was like, uh, I see this all the time. Why are you? And it's not even correct on the screen. And I remember wow. thinking how abnormal they were and then how abnormal I was. Mm. And it made me so mad to, mm. to not have a chance to be normal is how I felt. Um, and then I got so upset at feeling, what's the word, ignorant of feeling dumb because I was the straight A student. And so mm-hmm. to feel that for a full year, I had been fooled. I was so livid that I threw up in class. That's how, that's when the wow. anger came in. So then the next time he tried to do it, um, I remember vividly, um, I was the first time I said no, the first time I even spoke up because before I would just freeze, I would freeze, close my eyes, pretend that this wasn't happening to me. I would go into like Mm. Claudia from the babysitters club. I live in New York. I'm somewhere else. Books really saved my life at that point. Mm -hmm. And, but this was the first time I said no. And he covers my mouth. And now I know that that's the moment he robbed my voice. He covers my mouth and threatens Ooh. me. And he's, 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 he's not yelling. He's like hissing because there happens to be people outside, which is super key because sometimes we imagine sexual abuse happens when two people are alone or strangers mm-hmm. or no, it's, it's usually from the research I've done and the stories that I've heard at family parties that somewhere where the people are kind of mm-hmm. entertained, they're not, and the kids are playing in the room. That's sometimes when an adult or even sometimes other children, it just, it, it, it varies. There isn't really a profile. Mm. Um, so I know that there was people outside of this restroom and he was hissing at me to be quiet. And he says, if you ever tell anyone, I'll kill your sister. Oh, just super interesting to me because he knew my weakness. So I didn't speak. I swore at the age of nine that oh, I would Rosie. carry this by myself. Mm. Um, that my sister would not go through this pain, that I would not have my mother go through this, that my brothers would not go to jail because surely they would kill him. And, and that I didn't even want him to die because then it would kind of be my fault. So for, I, I carried this weight on my shoulders of being everyone's protector and savior. And in the midst asking mm-hmm. women who protects me, because dad said no one could touch Rosie, but someone is literally touching Rosie. Like I had so much time to think about oh. this. I no longer played with Barbies. I no longer dreamt of being an astronaut. It was just survival mode. And then by the age of 13, anger mode. I want to kill him. 
and then kill myself. And then my life is done. I don't, I don't need to do anything else. By the age of 16, um, he threatened the same thing that took away my voice was the same thing that released my voice because that same threat, um, he threatened to take away the kids. Him and my sister had divorced now. They had three children and she was becoming a singer. And so she was growing in her fame and this only brought her problems with her ex. So he was going to take the kids away and she didn't know what to do. She's like, mom, what if they do take the kids away? What if I'm too busy? Because she was also doing real estate. So, and she was afraid and her fear broke my heart. So I said, I have the solution. Um, and I, I told her she, Oh, I don't know if there's a right time because I just decided that day there was, I, I, so I didn't know how I was going to do it. There was no plan. It was just like, Jenny Mm. needs to know today's the day. And that was six period. And I walked straight to her office and God is so good. God is so good that Mm. when I made the decision, when I was ready, he, he put everything in place. And he really, really did because I did not have to say the word rape or sex or molestation. She just asked all the right questions. And Hmm. what I take away from that now is when you have to ask someone, the, the easiest thing to answer to is, is someone hurting you? Because that leaves open space to take the guilt off of me. You know, did something happen? you can kind of say, I did do something, you know, but she asked, is someone hurting you? And so when I knew that my life was important to her, then I could tell her. Um, so I was still scared though. It is still Mm -hmm. very scary. Um, but the fact that she would just ask me questions and when I said yes, she kind of had a sense and I don't know why other than there was stuff going on in the world. There was a little bit speaking about sexual abuse in, in an other area of our life. And I had noticed that my family's reaction was, we should protect this young lady, this young girl. And when I saw that, then I, I said, okay, if I speak up, at least I know that my family will be concerned and not blame. So your reaction to someone else's story is vital. Oh, if, that's, see, hmm. if, if you're watching TV, if you hear it in the news, And your reaction is to victim blame, is to victim question with like demeaning terms, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. then your child will feel that it's towards her, that that you will have, and you probably won't. I mean, this is your child and we're talking about, Mm -hmm. but your child doesn't know that. So if you see it on TV and there are questions, valid questions, I would keep them away from the child. I would ask them in in a more mature group or pray about it, but definitely show like, concern of, Hey, I hope justice is, Mm. is, you know, I hope they figure this out. Let's pray for this young girl. Let's pray even for the predator. Let's, let's let the truth come out. And he was, he was a fugitive. So when he found out he went on the run. Yeah. Immediately. He said we were lying, but he still went on the run. Um, and for nine years and in those nine years, the pressure of finding him, the pressure of justice is what kind of sent me down of, I wasn't only like, drinking to numb the pain. Now I was drinking for the stress. I was a 16 year old, 17, 18. I got to find him. I have to find him. You know, that pressure was, was on me of, of justice, get your justice girl. And, Mm. and I couldn't handle it. I, I, you know, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life and, and still going through the heartbreak and 
the consequences that sexual abuse had on me, I was an 11 year old addicted to pornography. How is it? And you, and you, your mind does not comprehend how you like what you hate, how you, Mm. how you want what destroys you. It is, it is the worst. And there's this self-loathing, this questioning of what is wrong with me? I am really the dirty one here. But the word says in Song of Songs, don't wake up love before it's too soon. I took that later on of someone woke up my sexual desire way too soon. Mm-hmm. And my body didn't know if it was my uncle or my brother-in-law. They, my body just knows, hey, this feels good. But my mind knew, so my mind was always at war with my body. And definitely my heart was just confused. Is sex love? Love is sex? Do I mean, I I was Mm -hmm. so confused. Um, And that's kind of like where where the self-destruction came. And thank God Christ found me at 25. I was a single mom. I was married to just some guy. He, He liked me and it was not my baby's father. He had left me the day I told him I was pregnant. How, how old were you when you got pregnant with your first? 21. 21. Okay. I was 21. I was in my last year of college. I was going to become an attorney to put him away. That was it. So it was just part of the plan. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I ended up pregnant my fourth year, my third year at Irvine. And I was I was going to graduate early, which was great. But I was I was pregnant and I was hurting and I was abandoned. I had gained I was gaining 60 pounds with the pregnancy depressed and I was still getting straight A's just because reading really, really saved me. It it was my, my coping mechanism. And, uh, by the time the baby was two, I was really lonely. He wasn't coming back. I was waiting for him and he definitely wasn't coming back. He was dating someone while I was pregnant. And I, someone asked me, Hey, you want to marry me? I love you. I'll take you in with your daughter. And I believed him. He had been a family friend. I had known him since I was like about nine and he knew my whole life. He, he had been my best friend, but the third day into our marriage, someone stared at me in a desirable way in a bar and he, he kind of lost it. He, he didn't want to lose me. So he took away all my clothes, like threw it away. Literally. I could only wear his clothes and he was about 300 pounds. So what? I, I was wearing very baggy clothes. He threw away all my makeup and I couldn't hang out with any girlfriends because to him, all girls were bad. And he, I, I was kind of like isolated. So one day um, he raped me inside a hotel room because I call it rape because I was very verbal about no, I did not. Mm-hmm. He had called me the worst names you can call a woman all day. That's what, that's all he did. It was very psychological, like abuse and verbal. You are dirt. You are the worst. Right. So then now you want to make love to me. I don't, I don't want to do it. I'm dirty. Mm-hmm. And um so he raped me and then he threw me out of the hotel room at two in the morning only wearing his t-shirt and my biggest fear was someone is gonna see lupio rivera or jenny rivera's sister and it's gonna be on the tabloids and that's just gonna horrify my mother i didn't even think of me my body at this point had no value i Mm. i kind of was just used to it and i just needed to not embarrass my family and I, I, I knocked and begged him, please let me in. And that didn't work. So I went down to the reception area and it was, it was a very like little motel. And 
the owner of the motel says, you know, get out of here. I'm going to call the cops. And I'm like, I don't understand. We, we bought the room. My husband is in, you know, room, whatever. And he mm -hmm. said, no, I know what, what you are. I know what women like you are. And I really didn't even get it. I really, so I'm over oh. here like, what do you mean? Uh, I, I paid for it. I'm not a thief. And he's like, no, prostitutes aren't allowed here. I'm going to call the cops. And I grabbed oh. that title, which I had never done. I have done a lot of bad things, but that I haven't, I hadn't done yet, but mm -hmm. I grabbed it and put the label on myself and said, astronaut teacher, you know, first Mexican American woman on the Supreme court. No way. I am a prostitute. That is, that is what I am. And that is the day I decided I'm gonna kill myself. And I started like walking the streets. I had alcohol and like 40 Tylenol in me and just walking, waiting for someone to like rape me or kill me. And, and no one did. I was screaming. I, I imagine what I look like now and not one person for two hours of me walking down the street at two in the morning said anything to me. And now I know that mm. that was God protecting me. Mm -hmm. And, and so I finally yelled at him. It was the first time I had ever talked to him. And, and I was just like, you know what, do what you want with me. Like my life is yours. And I'm gonna just lay here in the street. And if someone runs me over or kills me and I wake up in your presence, you know what you do. Like my life, I was, I was, you see what I'm saying? My yeah. life is yours, but, and uh, now I know what I was saying. And I'm so glad I was saying it, even if I was saying it in ignorance. Mm -hmm. And um, I fell asleep and I hear his voice. It's not audibly, it's in my stomach. It's, it's it deep in me. And all he says is, that's enough, go home. And I wake up like one of those, I, and no one was around me. I looked around and I said, I know I heard something and I hear mm -hmm. it again. Mm -hmm. And this, this firm, loving voice inside me that was just like, that's enough. Go home. So I said, I have a decision to make. I'm going to keep running from this God or I'm going to talk to him. And I swear mm -hmm. I'm so brave. I will fight anywhere. I will face anything. Am I going to be bold enough to really talk to my creator and really lay it all out? Because that to me was boldness. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm going to stop running from him. I'm just, what if mom is right? What if in this crazy world, mama is right, that he is full of mercy? What if he could love me? I'm going to give it a shot. So I answered him, well, where's my home? Like, I'll, I'll listen. I'll do it. But good question. That's a good question. Where, right? and, 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 where are you going? You're going back to this husband exactly. in the motel what is what is home yeah or good, good or, question where am i received and accepted i know me i i was already i was still addicted to porn super deep in like alcohol probably dependent on drugs you know um i i the only thing i had on me was like i'm gonna make it through college um i was in law school at that time and i was like a functioning mess I had had an abortion at 17 that really was killing me inside. Mm -hmm. Where would someone like me really have a home where she can rest? And I cry because I know that there is women mm -hmm. that still feel like this now. And I've begged God, don't let me forget so that I can still find her so that I can be a home so that we can be a home. Um, but where can I rest? Where can I lay my head and, and feel loved just as I am before I change? I want to change. What if I can't? Will I still have a home? And the Holy Spirit is so good. Oh, I love mm -hmm. him so much. <laughs> that everything my mom, my mom had told me for 11 years, as soon as I asked a question, 
came back. Hey, you know what mama said? That, that, that God's house is the house of prayer is everyone's home, that everyone is received there, that it won't close the doors, not to drug addicts or prostitutes or nobody. We will not close the door. And my church never had. So I, I had seen it. Like, mm-hmm. I, even if I would go, they would still receive me and I was hung over. And so mom's church never had closed the door to anyone. And that's, that's your home. I'll receive you there. And I called my mom. It was, it was like, I don't know what time, five, six in the morning. And I said, Hey mom, are you going to church today? Why? <laughs> cause I had never <laughs> asked her. And I said, Hey, cause, uh, I want to go. And I think she was shocked. I think everybody's going to be wondering and wanting to ask the question, whatever happened to your abuser and were you able to forgive him? What was the process for that? Because I think it, you, you're looking at a life and you're listening and going, okay, so, so much of what Rosie's been through clearly stems from, you know, the abuse, the secrecy. There's a lot of pain in that, right? Mm-hmm. So he was a fugitive. Was he found? And what was the process for you in forgiving him? Because there could be so a lot of blame I, and rightfully, justly so, right? Mm-hmm. But what was the process for you? So I received, uh, I, I came onto the way at, in November of 2005. And we had been looking for him for eight years now, nine years. So 18 years had passed since the abuse started. And well, that was November, December, January. After nine years of him being a fugitive, I saw him down the street at a restaurant. What? What? And I, I froze. I couldn't move. I saw him and my, I was speaking with a girlfriend and she's like, Rosie, breathe. You're not breathing. What's wrong with you? By this time she knew who he was, but I couldn't move until he saw me and he froze and he looked a little bit different. Like there had been some plastic surgery. I was like, what's, but I know it's him. I know those eyes. Mm -hmm. He gets so scared. He leaves too. He leaves the woman he was with there. She has no ride. Just walks right by me. And I, and then I said, Gladys, that's him. Go get his plates is all I could say. It's all that came out of him. She dashes after him, but he had left by then. And I call my sister and I'm like, I am so sorry. I am the dumbest. Why sister? What? And I told her and she's like, don't no, no, no. This is a good thing. I love how she always saw something good. Mm-hmm. And she said, now you can identify him. And every year she would oh. ask me, are you ready? Are you ready to speak up? Because now her platform had grown. She was, now she was huge. It was 2005. Mm. She was doing great in the US and Mexico. And she said, God gave me this microphone with a responsibility. And when you are ready, baby sister, we're gonna use it. I won't do it until you're ready. And I love her for that. Because although Mm. it was also her story, she knew that I need to be ready to speak it. And I am gonna beg all moms and cousins and sisters, don't tell a story without their permission. I know you're doing it with good intentions, but it, we feel sometimes like everyone knows our story and no one comes and talks to us and they probably don't know what to say, but we start feeling like everyone has these thoughts about us. My sister would not allow that to happen. Mm, she good. was waiting. She had waited nine years. And that day she asked me until you're ready, baby sister, are you ready? And I said, I am ready. So she said, okay, we're going to do an interview on the biggest platform we can find. And then we're going to do a radio interview. So in February, um, we did a a TV interview on a, on a very uh, important Spanish channel here in the U S 
And then we did a radio show and people started calling in. I know him. He is my neighbor and he will just, when he gets drunk, he goes on talking about Jenny and how he used to beat her and control her. So he incriminated himself and her fans were ready. Like, and, um, yeah, we, they, we, uh, an investigator came, a, a Christian FBI agent who had, who was in LA at the time, he's, he's from Puerto Rico. And he said, I'm not even supposed to get involved. So I'm not working. I'm volunteering here. I'm going to help you find him. He didn't even give me his real name. He said, just call me angel because I feel God has sent me to help you. He investigated his whole vacation time, which was about two weeks, found him. And I got to identify Mm -hmm. him. So my sister was right. No, He found him. So it was a private investigator that found him. Mm-hmm. He was living an exit away from my sister. And oh my April 22nd, 2007, uh, I feel like the Lord just put him in my hand. Just here he Unbelievable. is. Wow. And I got to be there when he was arrested. And all this process of forgiving and journaling and praying and crying, I really, really transformed me. Because now I had him in front of me and my whole life I had planned, I'm gonna, I'm gonna slap him. I'm gonna tell him he didn't break me. I have so much to show him. There was no need. I was at peace. I was, I was healing and I felt compassion for him, which I know is not me. That's only the Holy (laughs) Spirit that lives Mm -hmm. inside me because I thought I'm released from my jail. I'm free now. I'm Mm -hmm. no longer a prisoner of depression, of trauma. I'm being released and now he's going into jail. And I saw his eight-year-old daughter cling to him and and now she was hurting. So I just had compassion for him. And I said, Lord, you do what you need to do with him. And and we went to to, um, a court case for a year, a full year, seeing him once every few months. And I was able to testify and he was convicted of eight out of the nine counts, 31 years without the possibility of parole he will be released when he's 74 years old. Wow. And the Lord only knows why. My prayer Mm -hmm. was no longer his punishment. My prayer was allow him to reconcile with you because he he used to be a believer, at least in church. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know that whole situation. That's him and God. But I said, let him have a relationship with you and save him because that will be a real kick in the teeth to the devil. Not only am I saved, he's saved too, mm-hmm. because no one has to go to hell. No one has to die. No one, no one has to be condemned forever. If I'm forgiven for killing a child in my womb, he can be forgiven for hurting a child when she was eight. And that is kind of how I saw it. From what I hear now, he has reconciled with the Lord. He's leading Bible studies. And that's a victory to me. That is mm-hmm. a victory for the kingdom because his punishment doesn't heal me. And that's what a lot of people think. If I get justice, then I'll feel better. You don't. You, yeah. it, it does, you do think like, hey, the world is working and, and justice does something for all of us. The justice of one can help all of us, right? Mm-hmm. But it won't necessarily heal you. What heals you is Christ, is the cross, is the relationship with him. What gives you peace is forgiving him. And, and it's all very easily said, I've been through the process. It is, it is difficult to walk through the door that gave you the pain in the first place, yeah. but you're worth it. You, you are really, really worth it. Mm. Do the work until, 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 until you have that peace, until you are fully healed. And it is a process. But once I just surrendered to Christ, really the surrender was, I'm no longer defending myself. I'm no longer the judge. 
I don't set the sentence. I don't even want to be the jury. Lord, you do it. When I hold up my hands and surrender, it is not losing. It is not being weak. When I surrender, it is the strongest point that I can be because now I can focus on my healing. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Rosie, so much. And you can watch our entire hour-long conversation on our See Here Love YouTube channel. Well, did you know that three Canadian women experience sexual violence in their lifetime? And in the U.S., every 68 seconds, someone is sexually assaulted. And that's why these conversations are so important to have. And I'll be honest, this conversation was difficult to process. It was like a tsunami wave of emotions and hard things to hear. But there is healing that can come when we choose to confront it, acknowledge what has happened, and open ourselves to someone who is an expert, a therapist, a counselor, who can lead us through the healing, that it was not my fault, it was not your fault. And for those that still carry the shame and the victim blaming on you, I wanna say this, again, it was never your fault. It was not your fault, and that's my prayer. And I hope that if you were in that place or are in that place after hearing this conversation, that you'll be released from that lie or that shame or oppression that you've lived in, that it was your fault. Again, it was never your fault. And I hope that you would lean into Jesus. Choosing Jesus doesn't make your life great immediately, but there's something really incredible that when you do have a relationship with him, you get to understand the love that he has for you and it changes everything, your perspective on life. It changes how you look at yourself. And personally, I think that was key for me that when I really got to know how much Jesus loves me and the relationship we have, it changed the way that I saw myself. It changed the way that I lived and it changed literally the trajectory of my life. And after listening to this conversation, the entire conversation again is on our YouTube channel. And if you need prayer and you need someone to listen to, we have friends that will do just that with so much love and grace. So call this number 1-866-273-4444 and there will be someone there 24-7 to listen to you. Well, thanks for joining us. Know that God is with you. He is for you. No matter what you've done or what has been done to you, God is for you and he loves you in all of it. No judgment fully as you are. And know that you are seen, heard, and deeply loved by God. Thank you for listening to See, Here Love, the podcast with Melinda Estabrooks. Stay connected with our daily posts and stories on Instagram or Facebook at See, Here Love, or join our newsletter at www.seeherelove.com.